We're back. WNDZ 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. Or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Uh, we're having some technical difficulties. What I'd like to do uh, to end the program today, I'd like to share uh, the Merton Prayer with you. Uh, at some point in the future, hopefully, we'll have a guest to reflect on the book written about the Merton Prayer. I didn't know this guest was going to be coming on, and uh, I looked above my bulletin board, and Merton Prayer is kind of part of my life for many, many, many years. I've shared it with many parish staffs as we do planning, not only for our parishes, but for our lives and for our future. So let me share the prayer with you. Uh, from Thomas Merton. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself, and the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me to the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Well, what a wonderful prelude. The prayer must have reconnected our social media connect, and uh, ACTA Publications has recently published the Merton Prayer, which you just heard. An exercise in authenticity, which digs deeply into the powerful one-page chapter prayer from Thomas Merton's Thoughts in Solitude. It's first published in 1956. This prayer has been so helpful to many seeking to know God's will and to feel his presence when the road ahead is not all clear. Joining us today is the author of the Merton Prayer, an exercise in authenticity, Stephen Denny. Welcome, Stephen, to Catholic Chicago. Thank, uh, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for very joining much. us. It's good to see you. <laughs> good to see you, too. Now, give us your a thumbnail spiritual journey that led you to writing this book. Well, here in the, in the 1990s, um, I read several Thomas Merton's books, um, and, uh, and being from Kentucky— uh, my hometown in Lexington, I was aware of the Abbey of Gethsemane. Um, and I got to the 79th page of his book, Thoughts in Solitude. And there's a chapter that is one page long. And it started out with my Lord God. Mm-hmm. And I've only and always heard prayers that started out with dear Heavenly Father and dear Lord. And this grabbed me from the beginning. And when I finished that prayer, I felt like I had been drawn by a magnet to the Lord in a, in a totally different way um, than ever I had been before. And in my 
in my career, I've, I've been a lawyer for, for three decades, but before that, I was a Protestant pastor for 10 years. Um, I taught New Testament Greek in, in seminary, um, went through all this higher education, and, and this prayer captured my heart, and, mm -hmm. um, and it, it just felt like such a, a, an honest crying out to God, almost Jobian, if you know what I mean, mm -hmm. that was different than any other prayer that I'd encountered. Uh, and, and I could, I could sense that everything in my upbringing had been, here's how you please God. Don't sin. Just be good. That's how you please God. But that didn't feel right because as a human being, I kept sinning. And so, so when this prayer became part of my daily ritual, I'm, I'm feeling like, Lord, thank you. Because Thomas Merton said that uh, uh, the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And mm -hmm. I thought that is so powerful. And I, I wanted to get this prayer the kind of attention it deserves because it, it, it just is uh, so powerful for people trying to connect with God. And part of it is the prayer, I've used it, well, it's, like I said, it's taped up on my uh, bulletin board. I see it every, <laughs> I see it every day because uh, all through ministry, now I'm executive director at Holy Name, you think you have to have all the answers. You know, you mm -hmm. think, you think you have to, it's problem solution and that's why you're there. And in reality, yes. it's the spirit of how, First, how you approach people, and then how you approach, well, first how you approach God in your life, then people and the ministry, and how it flows, not necessarily through me, but through those folks uh, that I work with, with the kind of attitude that you're talking about, that it's not, you know, you, you juxtapose Oscar Romero's um, prayer about, you know, we're, we're not the we're not the um, builders, you know. Christ, it's Christ's plan. We help. Um, what about that? In your, I mean, you went from pastor. Uh, mm -hmm. are, is your denomination? What's your denomination now? Mert, Mertonian? <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> Mertonian. I love that. <laughs> that should be a denomination because I I just. Uh, feel called that this, uh, as my legal career sort of winds down, uh, I, I, I tell you, the, uh, the, the day in 2014, when I did a deposition of a doctor at the University of Chicago Hospital, and my opposing attorney said, Stephen, you want to ride back with me downtown? And, and I thought, no opposing attorney ever does anything nice. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. I, I, this is interesting. And it didn't take long to find out why he wanted to do that. Because he said to me when we got in his car, you know, uh, I saw in your briefcase, a, a book uh, by Thomas Merton. Are you familiar with his, I don't know where I'm going prayer? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, most certainly I am. Um, and, and that's a big part of my spiritual journey. And he poured his heart out to me in a vulnerable, authentic way that very few people in my life have ever done. And at the end of that conversation, uh, I realized that this prayer means so much, not just to me, but to other 
people as well. And I researched it. Nobody had written a book about it. And and it, it helped me get through cancer and through different things in my life. So that's why I wrote this book. Now, do, do you have the book in front of you by any means? I do. I do. Why, do you want and to I'm, read an excerpt, and a favorite? Ex- well, show the book, first of all. because uh, and, <laughs> okay. and the title of the book? The title of the book is uh, the, the Merton Prayer, a, 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 an exercise in authenticity. And my friend, Dr. Stephen Huffman, uh, did original photographs, color photographs. And this one I love because yeah. it, it each chapter in the book takes one phrase of the prayer. And this picture was used to uh, illustrate and give a, ver- a, a visual metaphor of how at the conclusion of the prayer, we're saying these words um, that, uh, therefore, I will trust you always, Lord, even, even when I've even when I seem lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me. And here, look, look this. This guy right up there is ever with the person below on this very, very dangerous cliff. Describe, um, yeah, describe, so, describe the picture a little bit for our radio listeners, just so they, oh, get, a, okay. they get the visual. It's, it's a solid, um, solid granite wall, I think Yosemite. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure exactly where. And and two climbers are separated by about 30 or 40 feet of rope. And the one person at the top is, is the safety person for the person hanging below. Um, now let's well, do, let's, I, let's read an excerpt, pick an excerpt, but also you showed the book. How can people get the book? Well, it's the, the publisher is the Catholic publishing house, ACTA, A-C-T-A. They have, uh, free shipping available if uh, the order is over $25, but of course it's on Amazon as well. Okay, too. great. Now let's pick pick a, a section that really speaks to you as you, as you wrote this book. Okay. Um, all right. It, it, this is actually in the conclusion. Um, uh, in every one of these chapters, after I talk about the phrase and, and of the Merton Prayer and and digest it, exegete it, and then talk about my personal interaction with it. I have a section called Turn It, Turn It, Turn It. And that's for people to um, uh, use this as a devotional or as a small group study. Uh, When I was in seminary, my professor said, uh, he told us about this uh, rabbi whose students came to him and said, how's the best way to study Torah? Mm -hmm. And the, the rabbi said, turn it turn it, turn it. It's all there. And, and so that's, that's sort of um, where I'm suggesting I'm going to be reading from page 148. Okay. As you continue to turn it, turn it, turn it, the Merton prayer could soothe your soul and grab your heart in ways you never knew possible, or it might disturb your soul and pummel you into more intense encounters with God. The motto past his prologue is well known. Civilizations, nations, families, and individuals can and have learned from their pasts so that their futures might not see the same mistakes. Likewise, positive God sightings that are repeated and shared with others have a chance to be repeated. What gets celebrated gets replicated. Your personal testimony of how the Merton Prayer has impacted you 
can help others draw closer to God through this prayer as well. Share that testimony. Don't keep it hidden. The kingdom of God needs all the words of encouragement we can muster. I encourage you to let the Merton prayer guide you into sharing how God has led you. In my volunteer ministry at the Cook County Jail, which I did for 15 years and I stopped it during the pandemic, I often would hear this joyful and loud chanting from the inmates who have gathered to worship God. God is good, followed by all the time, Mm -hmm. followed by all the time, concluded with God is good. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. Now, tell us a little bit about what you've learned about Thomas Merton. I mean, you know the prayer, but what about the person? The the uh, the fact that that this man came into the monastery at Gethsemane that says God alone, uh, and lived there for twenty some odd years um, before his untimely death at age fifty three is is it's just amazing to realize how many books he wrote and how much he did in terms of being the most prolific spiritual writer of, 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 of everybody in the 20th century. Where did he um, come from? Where did he Well, come he from? was born in France. He, he had a, a, a mom and dad who, one from America, one from New Zealand, and they both passed away when he was very, very young. Wow. One when his mom died when he was six years old mm. and his dad, when he was, I think a teenager and, and he ended up at Cambridge. Uh, he went to private boarding schools. Uh, some grandparents took care of him. He lived over in uh, New England here in America. And then he went to uh, Columbia University in New York. And that's where at the Corpus Christi Church, uh, he became a Christian, became a Catholic. Wow. And had his first communion and and was so taken by um, the spiritual life that he he applied to become a Carthusian uh, at one monastery and was rejected. And uh, and one of his spiritual advisors said, well, try a- applying to the Trappist monasteries. And he, he did. He asked if he could come visit at Gethsemane. He took the train all the way from New York uh, and walked into the gates of Gethsemane, above which this huge, bold, iron word letters that say, God alone And he did that on December 10th, 1941, just three days after America jumped into this war. And it boggles the mind, really, to think if he had been drafted, uh, what the world would have missed. Uh, And and he thought about that even before he wrote the Merton Prayer in his famous autobiography, Seven Story Mountain. He talks about the train ride from New York to Kentucky and how he thought about, I don't know which road. I don't know where God is going to lead me, but I have peace around wherever it is. If it's in the military, then that's fine. He wants me there. If it's in the monastery, that's fine. Well, the monastery wanted him and he stayed there at, at, at early on. He started writing on an old fashioned typewriter mm. and, uh, and, and letters, the correspondence went around the world to leaders, world leaders, politicians, entertainers, uh, where he discussed uh, spiritual uh, matters. And, and, and he quickly asked for more solitude. 
and and the abbot um, uh, finally did allow him to leave the uh, dormitory where the monks lived, and and he lived for several years, the end of his life, in a hermitage that's about a half mile. I've walked out there to it, and it's it's just it's just a wonderful, uh, beautiful. A place I encourage everybody to go visit a Trappist monastery if you get a chance. Now, you, you mentioned, well, two things. One, I know at Mundelein, I was at the seminary for 15 years working on a lot of projects, and one of the things that came up was the hermitage idea um, because it does isolate you in your spirituality, which probably provided him with kind of a clear focus in what he wanted to pray about and write about. But you also talked about the Abbey of Gethsemane. Many of my friends, I hear them talk about going on retreat to Gethsemane. Have you ever been, and what is that like? Oh, thank you. Yes. I've, I've had, I think, four week-long silent retreats. Um, and I I tell you, it was just such a joy. Um, I would wake up in my guest room, there's a there's a guest uh, house, a guest building <clears throat> for retreatants, and I would wake up and go to each of the eight times of the liturgy of the hours. I would wow. at three fifteen a.m. and the monks would sing antiphonally the the psalms. Mm-hmm. They get through the entire hundred fifty psalms every two weeks, and then each of the prayer times, um, I would go back. And then at the end of the day, uh, Father Matthew Kelty, a wonderful, wonderful priest who I came to, to know and love and communicate with, uh, he's passed now, but uh, he, he would speak at the Compline, uh, after Compline, uh, to talk about uh, anything and everything, current events, news. And there were people like me who were there uh, seeking spiritual transformation, looking inward to the self, the false self, and looking upward to, to the Lord. And and it, it's just a wonderful experience. Now, how did, the, we have a few more minutes, how, how did this encounter with Thomas Merton and your retreats, how did that impact your lawyer? How did it impact your legal career? Well, that's, that's really uh, something that, that uh, happened constantly. Uh, I... <clears throat> I can remember that uh, uh, in the middle of a three-week trial, uh, having a a uh, last-minute motion for a directed verdict by the defense firm, uh, and at 11.30 at night, having to give an answer to the judge. And I said, Your Honor, uh, can I have five minutes, please? Because we've been there since eight o'clock that morning, I, I think I was hypoglycemic mm-hmm. and, and dehydrated. And I, she said, yes. And I walked out in the hallway and went to the, uh, the bank of windows that look south over the loop. And I found myself looking at the Chicago temple mm-hmm. chapel in the sky. That's way up on the 24th floor, I think. And, and all I could do was just continue to repeat the Merton prayer and, and say, Lord, I, I have no idea which I've got. I got two different as a lawyer. I could craft two different responses: option A, option B, and uh, and I'm just not sure which one it, it, it I should do. And, and if I give the wrong one, I've lost the case for my client, a 34 year old widow and her 18 month old son. And I I 
remember feeling that when I get to that spot where he says, therefore, I will trust you always, even though I may seem lost. I know you're not ever going to leave me to face my perils alone. You're ever with me. The fear was gone. And I walked back into the courtroom and I gave the, the right answer that allowed the case to go. I've had so many situations with, with fear when I was diagnosed with cancer and very, very aggressive cancer. Mm -hmm. And this prayer has uh, helped me uh, calm the fear, but it's not a magical incantation. I want to make sure that that message gets right. across. Right. It's a prayer. It's a prayer of the heart. And you know, well, I know we do this because we're going to have to wrap it up. Uh, make sure people look for the Merton Prayer, an exercise in, in authenticity by Stephen Denny. Stephen, why don't we end our program? First of all, um, let me thank our producers, Michael May, Javier Garcia. Um, wish Father Greg well. And why don't we end? Do you have the prayer in front of you? Oh, I do. Why don't, why, don't you read, why don't you read the prayer as our closing for today? And God bless everybody. And listen to this prayer closely. Take it into your heart. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Thank you, Amen and amen. God bless. God is good. Amen. amen. every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.